0: Glad to have you. Bill Michael's show continues on. Here's a question for you, and I hate that I'm actually doing this, but because I, I, it makes me kind of implode on myself. But I, I got to admit, I saw it in Pro Football Focus, and then I thought about it, and I thought, boy, this is an incredible, uh, incredibly interesting topic. And then I saw that Skip Bayless did it, so it makes me feel dirty, you know. It's kinda of like finding out the the girl that you really like. You know, and you're like, Man, I'd really like to take her out. I, I'm gonna take her out. She's a really really cool girl. I got a lot in common. And then you find out she's a stripper. You know? And now you're like, Oh god. Nothing against strippers, you know. It's just that everybody's seen you naked and I I, I don't I don't it makes me feel bad, you know. Okay. All right. Ben, you ever dated a stripper? I've not. Nor okay. do I have a monkey. Uh, you don't have a pole assassin mon- monkey. Uh, okay, gotcha. For those that uh, pay attention to the show, you know what we're talking about. For those that don't, you're going to look it up. Uh, but Skip Bayless brought this up, and I, I was going to do it this morning, and I man, now I feel bad, but uh, Pro Football Focus rates their all-pro team. What two quarterbacks do you think that they chose for the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year? Any guess, Ben? Brady and Joe Burrow you are correct So the argument is if Brady and Joe Burrow are the top rated quarterbacks then how can you have Aaron Rodgers be an MVP That's and that's that's a legitimate question that's a legitimate question. Ah. Tom Brady's rated number. Uh, now, uh, some of these ratings are a little bit skewered because I know if you look at it, number one is C.J. Beathard, but he only played in a game, and and he had a good rating, and that was the reason he was near the top. But the top three quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Aaron Rodgers is number four. Tom Brady ranked 92. Joe Burrow, 91.7. Justin Herbert, 90.1. Aaron Rodgers, 90. Followed by Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Brian Hoyer, and then Ryan Tannehill tied at number 10. So the question is, if Tom Brady and Joe Burrow are the top two quarterbacks, then why in the world can Aaron Rodgers... How in the world can Aaron Rodgers win the overall MVP? Joe Burrow, when it came to the best passer this season, Joe Burrow was number one. Tom Brady, number two. Kyler Murray, number three. Aaron Rodgers, number four. Think about that. Uh, When it came to completion percentage, Joe Burrow, number one. Kyler Murray, number two. Aaron Rodgers, number three. When it came to touchdowns, Tom Brady was number one. Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, then Aaron Rodgers, number four. When it came to the fewest with the most games played, the fewest number of interceptions, Aaron Rodgers, number one in the National Football League. Number one. Number one. And Rodgers, uh, when it comes to drops this year, uh, he had the, the one of the least amount of drops overall when it came to the drop rate. Justin Herbert had the number one amount of drops. Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and on down the line from there. Aaron Rodgers, because his completion percentage was so high, his drop rate was at 24 which puts him lower, lower end of the National Football League. So, the argument is, well, wait a minute, Rodgers. If he's the third ranked, or fourth ranked, or fifth ranked quarterback in the National Football League, the problem you is when you start when I read you all these statistics. He's in the top three or four in every category. Number one in not turning the ball over. Number one in touchdown interception ratio. Number three in completion percentage. And the reason he doesn't have as many drops is because he puts the ball on the mark more often than not in percentage to drop back. Now you look at the amount of injuries, the strength of schedule. Strength of schedule for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though, just as hard. They had quite a few injuries down the stretch. Rodgers had to deal with an entirely new offensive line by the season midway point. And Rodgers meant the most to his team. So how can Rodgers be the MVP when you look at the season that Joe Burrow had and the season that Tom Brady had? I think it's a legitimate argument. But, but I honestly, this is one of these great discussions. And you know why? Because there's really not a winner here but everybody has a terrific point. Tom Brady is the GOAT. Tom Brady is the guy that has taken his team in back-to-back seasons, a new franchise, goes there, wins a Super Bowl, comes out, lights it up all over again. They have a bunch of injuries. They have a bunch of defensive problems. Their secondary is decimated, and they continue to win. Absolutely, Tom Brady should be in the discussion. Joe Burrow, look what he's done for that franchise. He made Zach Taylor a household name, okay? He has been nothing but fantastic in cincinnati and had it not been for numerous drops early on in the season between jamar chase and some of the other wide receivers and a really craptastic offensive line he would have had an even better season joe burrow is a guy you circle and you watch because that guy is going to be a legitimate superstar kyler murray had a hell of a year but after the injury he just wasn't the same quarterback he was on pace to have an unbelievable season but after the injury just wasn't the same didn't have the same completion percentage, same accuracy, same touch. He started throwing picks. Dak Prescott's had an up-and-down season. You can start to go through a lot of these different quarterbacks and look at it in that way. Rodgers has just been consistent. He had one bad game. That was the first one of the season. That was it. Beyond that, he's been pretty pretty on the money. The other game he's being penalized for is the game he didn't play in because he wasn't there, and they didn't beat Kansas City. But there is no bad argument here, which is great. This is what adults in a bar talking sports, sharing beverages is all about. But it's a legitimate question. Uh, George says Skip Bayless is the GOAT. I don't know on what parameter you rate Skip Bayless as the GOAT. But I'm not going to argue with you. But whatever it is you're smoking, share with the rest of the class. That's all I got to say. More of the Bill Michael show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is
1: the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Welcome one, welcome all. Glad to have you. And uh, back on the air, and uh, the Bill Michael Show continues on. On this uh, Wednesday, as uh, we continue on in the second hour of the program, we heard Matt LaFleur a little while ago speak and uh, basically say that, hey, everybody's coming back, which which is huge news. You get basically, uh, listen to this. Randall Cobb is back. Johnny Alexander's back. Billy Turner's back. Zedaria Smith is back. David is back. And Josh Myers is back. All of these starters are now back for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but you got a, a super wild card weekend coming up. And to talk more about it from NFL Wire, our buddy Mark Schofield is with us. Mark, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Bill. How are you, my friend?
0: We're good. Uh, We're anticipating whoever happens to come into Lambeau Field uh, a week from Sunday, but uh, you got some good ones on the docket this week. Starting off with uh, a guy that is getting a lot of run as pro football focus said, he's one of the top two quarterbacks in the league, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals trying to get a a playoff win for the first time since 1991 against a Raiders team who uh, went uh, toe-to-toe with the Chargers until the very end. Talk a little bit about this contest and this matchup.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the more intriguing games of the, the wildcard weekend slate, and they're all fantastic games on paper. I think what I'm going to be watching for, you know, these two teams played earlier this year. What was interesting about that game was, you know, the Raiders were able to get some pressure on Burrow, who's been very good against pressure this year. They pressured him on almost 26 percent of his dropbacks. But what was, what was interesting about how, how the Raiders did it, they only blitzed them twice, according to the chart and data I've seen and from watching that game. They were really able to get pressure with four, and that's, you know, that's the cliched line, right? Like, how do you win a game? Oh, you get pressure with four. You can play with seven in the secondary, but that's oftentimes easier said than done. They were able to do it. They were able to get pressure on Burrow, just blitzing them twice, you know, move, force them off the spot, move them around in the backfield, and play with the coverage numbers that you need because – You've got Jamar Chase to deal with. You've got Tyler Boyd and, and T. Higgins to deal with. And plus, with the Bengals, they do so much stuff out of empty formations anyway. If you can sort of pressure them with four, which they're able to do when they've only got five in protection, you're going to have some shots to sort of get after him or at least create some opportunities in the secondary. And so if they can do that again, I think the Raiders have a good shot at one of winning this game. But if the Bengals are able to protect Burrow and give him time, whether they're in those empty formations with just five, or they're you know they got six in protection with a back and or a tight end, Cincinnati's going to have a very good day.
0: Then uh, you've got the Patriots and the Bills. Uh, both of these games taking place on Saturday, by the way. The Patriots on the road, they beat the Bills in that I- infamous wind game where they just ran the ball down their throat all day long, and the Bills didn't have an answer for it. Mac Jones uh, obviously gets getting a lot of run as rookie of the year. But the Bills with Josh Allen, they were the expected favorite coming into the season by many out of the AFC. Uh, the pay, they've each shared a win on the road against one another. Give me your breakdown there.
1: Yeah, I don't think this game is going to be hard to figure out, right, Bill? New England wants to run the football. They want to sort of live what Matt Jones has to do. If the Bills can sort of slow that run game down, and, you know, they, they did a pretty good job of it, even that game they lost, right? You had the long touchdown run, but... Other than that, it wasn't like New England was running all over them. They actually struggled a little bit more in that second game, the one that they won. But if they could slow this game down a little bit from a run game standpoint from New England and force Mac Jones to do what I'd like to call sort of make the scholarship throw, right? You know, Mac Jones, if if Mac Jones beats you throwing for 350 yards, but he's just throwing three yard crossers, that's a problem. You know, if you could take those away from him, make him throw the deep out route, the deep corner route, and, you know, beat you over the top of the defense, which is something that's not a strength of his game right now. And then you sort of tip your hat and say, man, he got it done. But you can't let him beat you throwing crossers. I think Buffalo is going to want to stop the run, constrict the middle of the field, sort of that tackle box kind of area, right, from tackle to tackle, 0-10 downfield, force him to beat you outside the numbers. And I think Buffalo – has the ability to do that. They showed that they were able to do something schematically in that second game to take away some of those throws to force Jones to the outside. So I certainly think Buffalo has the advantage in this one. And another thing to watch, that sort of undercard matchup when the Bills have the football. Everybody's excited. Stephon Diggs versus J.C. Jackson. That's a heavyweight bout between two very good players. Behind J.C. Jackson, though this Patriots secondary is a little thin. Jalen Mills just popped up on the COVID list, so he's going to be—it's going to be a tough call if he can go. They're getting Miles Bryant back from the COVID list, but in that Week 16 game, Isaiah McKenzie had a huge afternoon, over 100 yards receiving, working against Miles Bryant. So, if you think that sort of heavyweight belt between Diggs and Jackson's a push, Buffalo certainly has an advantage in those undercards, and so Josh Allen might want to look other to other receivers than Stephon Diggs on Saturday night.
0: Looking at the Buccaneers hosting the Eagles, uh, both of these teams, they run the ball well. Fournette is coming back, it appears. The Buccaneers at least getting a little bit healthier. Uh, But the Eagles, they get in, they're happy to be there, but they want to run the ball and run the ball hard against the defensive front, which is number one against the run. So how does this one work out?
1: Yeah, you have to pick, obviously, with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what they're able to do on both sides of the ball. They have a severe advantage in this one. You're right, Bill, the, the Eagles are going to want to run the football. When these two teams played back on October 14th, that was what I'd sort of say the first half of the Eagles season, where they were one of the teams that threw it a little bit more on first and second downs. Since that time, they've really flipped the switch, and now they run the ball more than anybody else in those early first and second down situations. They want to run the football, but you're going up against a defensive front that, like you said, can stop the run. Vita Vea and company, very good, very stout on the interior, stopping the run and forcing you to play one-dimensional football. We've seen teams like the Colts a couple weeks ago, they basically just threw it all the time because they couldn't run the ball against that front. The Eagles have an advantage with Hertz and his legs, they can do some stuff schematically. They can use him as a runner. I think when they throw the football, they'll probably move him around a little bit. They had some success with that when they played back in October. But they're going to have to play a perfect game to win this. And when you watch that game, particularly what the Buccaneers did on offense, they sometimes had things covered up, but Tom Brady is just too good. You can get the pressure with four. You can play different coverages against them. And even when you do everything right, he can still beat you. And so Buccaneers certainly have the advantage in this one. They'll have to play a perfect game. Weather might be a concern. Supposed to be some rain down there. Weather might be interesting to track this weekend. We're getting a sort of system moving through the country. But if the you know Eagles play a perfect game, it still might not be enough.
0: 49ers winning four of their last five. They go into Dallas as a hot team. Dallas, we all thought they they had their ills cured against the Washington football team when they beat the hell out of them. And then after that, it was kind of an up and down Dak Prescott. They run the ball well, but they tend to get away from it. Uh, We've seen this story before under Mike McCarthy when he was in uh, Green Bay. Give me your lowdown on the 49ers heading into AT&T Stadium to face the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I have a neighbor. I live here in the D.C. area, but he's a huge Forty Niners fan. He's going to be headed down to, to Jerry World, as he calls it, this week. And there's a lot of excitement about the Niners, and and with good reason. They might be sort of the that proverbial team nobody wants to play. They can run the ball extremely well. You know, their offensive coordinator Mike Mitchell was getting some offense, some head coaching looks. Kyle Shanahan. They do a great job designing things in the run game creating extra gaps using movement and motion to sort of screw with the the run keys for you know the linebackers and things like that and so they do a very good job constructing the run game and they're going to be a tough team to face you know garoppolo might make sort of a big mistake or two you know he might throw an interception here or there trayvon diggs is a bit of a gambler as a cornerback you know he might give up some separation might give up you know a big play here or there but He's the kind of quarterback that can make Garoppolo pay if he sort of tries to take the cheese on something, tries to get cute with a throw. But the 49ers look to me, Bill, like that team nobody wants to play right now. They can run the ball effectively. They can, you know, slow down this Cowboys offense, which, like you said, they can do some things on the ground, but they tend to get away from that. And so I think this one, in terms of sort of upset watches, this one is one to keep an eye on.
0: Then you've got, uh, real quick, we're talking with Mark Schofield of uh, NFL Wire. You can find him at Mark Schofield on on Twitter. Steelers on the road taking on the Chiefs. Chiefs annihilated the Steelers the first time these two teams met up down at uh, Arrowhead. I I expect somewhat of the same. This is probably Big Ben's last game. But the Steelers have a little more hope. they got this new breath of life. Sometimes that's all you need to get the adrenaline going and to play a little bit better. TJ Watt, obviously, going to put a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. But can he get to him, and can that be enough?
1: Yeah, and I think T.J. Watt is going to have to play a huge game for the Steelers to potentially pull off this upset here because you're right, I was just re-watching that game this morning and Kansas City was doing what they wanted to do on offense. The Steelers got into a hole early. They had the sort of flea flicker with Roethlisberger through that interception. Watt's going to have to really sort of speed up Mahomes' internal clock a lot, get him uncomfortable back there, move him off his spot early in the down Make him sort of have to sort of create outside of the pocket. Don't let him get into a little bit of a rhythm. Maybe force a turnover here or there. Offensively, Pittsburgh, they're going to have to run the football. You know, we expect to see that from them. They're going to have to be smart with some vertical shots downfield. Roethlisberger this year, he's had some success, you know, throwing those nine routes along the boundaries. Guys like Johnson and Claypool go up and get the ball. They're, you're not going to really have some too, too much success with where Roethlisberger is right now say attack in the middle of the field throw it into tighter windows but if you can get that single coverage on the outside when they bring that extra safety down to stop the run you might have some opportunities for Roethlisberger to hit on some of those nine routes those vertical shot plays along the sidelines some sort of low risk throws and so I think that's the recipe for Pittsburgh they've got to run the football effectively speed up Mahomes with Wad off the edge you know speed up his internal clock make him make some throws quickly or get a little bit unsettled in the pocket. And then when they have the football again, you get those single coverage looks when they bring that safety down to the box. Be smart, take some opportunities on the sideline, maybe hit a big player or two here or there. That's kind of the recipe for Pittsburgh. It's going to be a tough ask. Because look, when these two teams played recently, it was clear who the better team was from the, from the start of that game. But Pittsburgh's going to punch his chance. Like you said, they've got to weigh in. Sometimes that's all it takes. They're going to have to play a really good game to pull this off.
0: And then last but not least, before we let you go, and that is uh, you got the Cardinals and the Rams coming up on Monday night football after the Super Wild Card weekend culminates. And uh, both teams, I think, extremely good. Both teams, I think, could win it all if they really get on a hot streak. Kyler Murray was on his way to possibly an MVP before getting hurt and just wasn't the same quarterback. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford, he's expected to take the Rams to the promised land. He hasn't looked very good with turning the ball over down the stretch. How do you see this one going?
1: Yeah, this was an interesting one because you could make a case that both of these teams have a Super Bowl run of them. You could also make the case that both of these teams deserve to be won and done with some of the ways that they've played down the stretch. Arizona, you know, they've had a little bit of an up-and-down finish to the season. People thought, oh, yeah, this is your team. Like you said, Murray is looking like an MVP candidate. Then he gets hurt. It's been a little bit shaky since coming back. People have pointed out that these Cliff Kingsbury teams tend to sort of have this late-season swoon. Something similar happened with the Rams where we've seen this from Sean McVay teams before they're doing great things offensively defenses start to figure it out and then McVay sort of struggles to adjust to the adjustments you know I think an advantage here for the Arizona Cardinals is you know certainly we know what the Rams can do defensively with the guys up front with Donald you know with Vaughn Miller with Leonard Floyd the way they can get pressure on our opposing passer but Murray's ability to create to extend to make some plays with his legs that can sort of negate that pass rush, slow it down a bit. You pin your ears back, you think that quarterback's going to be eight yards deep in the pocket behind the center, and suddenly he's not there anymore. That slows down the rushes, sort of natural offshoot of that quarterback's mobility. And so looking at this game, I really think that Murray's athleticism is going to be that sort of X factor. Another thing to watch, Vance Joseph, this Cardinals defense very creative with personnel. They'll run this one five five package where Zach Allen is the only defensive lineman on the field. Then five linebackers, five defensive backs. They'll put 7-8 on the line of scrimmage in a passive situation. Everybody in a two-point stance. You don't know who's coming or going. You don't know who's blitzing or dropping. That's tough for offensive linemen. That's tough for the quarterback to figure out Stafford and company are going to have to navigate that. And if they struggle, like we've seen some other teams struggle with that this year or even last year when they were doing it, that could be a problem for them as well. So I like Arizona in this one. I think they have two little trump cards that they could play on both sides of the ball.
0: Real quick, uh, and I know we're running a little bit late, but I wanted to ask you, what team do you think gives Green Bay the most problems – because if Green Bay's back to full strength, uh, damn near, without Robert Tanya, without uh, Whitney Merciless, but everybody else is pretty much back on the field short of Elton Jenkins, it, it, this team looks to be getting better as everybody else is trying to figure out their injuries. So which team matches up best with the Green Bay Packers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think right now the team that matches up best with Green Bay, you probably wouldn't see them until the championship game, and that's Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I know that's probably the easy answer, the two seed and all of that, but you look at you know, who they might potentially play in in the divisional round, whether it's, you know, a team like the Niners with an upset, a team like the Eagles, if they pull off an upset, you know, they have some flaws. They have some things that the Green Bay Packers will be able to sort of take advantage of. They can find ways to stop the run a little bit, slow down those ground games. Certainly they can force mistakes from those two quarterbacks, Garoppolo and Hurts. And so I really think that you take a step back. The team that scares me if I'm a Packers fan the most is Tampa Bay. I mean, they've come into Lambeau Field and won last year. It's Tom Brady. It's hard to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs, even when you've got Aaron Rodgers on your own sideline. So I think looking ahead, that's the matchup that would scare me the most.
0: There you go. Uh, Mark, I appreciate it as always, and we'll talk to you down the road, okay?
1: Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great day. Have a good one.
0: Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. That is Mark Schofield uh, with NFL Wire, and you can find him on Twitter at Mark Schofield, at Mark Schofield. And uh, you, can, uh, you can read his stuff there. Uh, good stuff. I mean, breaking down every game this coming weekend. And I think there's many that think that maybe it would be Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that would give the Packers the most problems. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, although they got Leonard Fournette coming back and their run game's pretty solid, uh, their defensive front, certainly. I mean, they, they really pressured Aaron Rodgers last year, figured out ways to do it. But I don't know if they can do all of that again with a little bit of a depleted secondary. So we'll have to wait and see, and see if it even comes to that before it's all said and done. When we come back, uh, we're going to uh, check in first of all with some of the numbers because uh, the NFL reigns supreme. Not that I'm telling you anything you don't already know, but a couple of announcements to make as well. So stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. Ready? This
1: is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.